Hi everyone and welcome to the Friday, January 7th installment of the Silicon Insider, the only uncensored look at life and business in the Valley. My name is Mike Malone and I'm here with special contributor Scott Budman of NBC Bay Area. Our producer is Jordan Henderson, our East Coast correspondent is Bob Grove, and our host, as always, is the Silicon Valley Business Journal. Okay, well, first of all, welcome back. Welcome back. And Thank I you feel for... like I'm talking to a newly free man. <laughs> you can sleep <laughs> uh, in again, yes. Obviously, most of this episode, we're going to talk about the Holmes trial because you're one of the few people that was there from beginning to end every day covering this thing. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the results. So the results came in, um, and you know, some people predicted this, some people were surprised. Yeah. But Elizabeth Holmes was found guilty on four counts right. uh, of investor fraud, which is really why we're here in the first place. It was, did she lie to investors while collecting the money? And was there a wire fraud in there too? Yeah, essentially wire fraud because a lot of this was done via the yeah, mail. Yeah, but that's kind of a catch-all. Right. They, but, they just throw that in to add more charges. But right, it was essentially she was found guilty of lying to investors on four counts yeah. about the Theranos machines that didn't work. She was found not guilty on four counts, largely dealing with patients who were tested by those Theranos machines when they were out in public at places like Walgreens. And then three of the counts, there were 11 total, three of the counts were deadlocked. And the jury came back a few times to say we're deadlocked on three counts. Yeah, that was like the longest week of your life, wasn't it? It was a long week and it was a long day. The <laughs> final day, they yeah. came back a couple of times with jury notes, which is where everybody has to come back, right? including the defendant, including the lawyers, including the judge, and to get this note saying we're deadlocked. And the first time the judge said, go back. You know, yeah. The second time, hey, give it another try. And eventually saying, okay, let's talk about what you have on the other eight. And, well, we've got four guilty, four not guilty. Um, you know, again, I've never been in a courtroom for the reading of the verdicts. You know, I've heard them as they've been broadcast live a few times. Yes. You know, say the OJ case or whatever. But to be in there is the kind of tension I hadn't experienced in life, not to mention as a reporter. You're just, you know, four months of this trial coming down to what is being read literally in that moment. Sort of like, I don't know if you're old enough, but when they would read off the draft numbers. No, I don't remember that. Where there's millions of American right. young men sitting there not knowing what the next few years of their life is going to be like. And I can imagine that that might be even worse, unless you're the actual defendant whose yes. life is on the line here. But as, as those charges were read off, uh, and it was interesting. But because... there were two, they stayed deadlocked on three things, right? Right, right. And the judge declared that was a mistrial. Well, I those, didn't know you could do that. Yeah, apparently you can if um, if there are multiple charges and some of them are deadlocked, you can still go on to the other, in this case, eight. Okay. Now, from what I understand, the prosecution has the right to retry anything that's a mistrial or a hung jury or however you call okay. it. I doubt that they will because this is a big win for the prosecution. Why would, why would you mess with this anymore? Right. Um, not only do you have a future sentencing... Um, but goodness, we're just weeks away from the Sunny Balwani trial. Yeah. <laughs> That's her, in, in you know, her alleged co-conspirator. Is that going to be in the same courtroom? Same courtroom. Oh, same judge? That, I think so. Wow. And same prosecutors. Wow. So it'll be and very Scott much. Scott Budman? Uh, you know, it's, <laughs> You're praying it's unclear. <laughs> it's unclear. But. Uh, I don't think he has the sex appeal as her. 
I exactly. The world's not that interested in him. Right, and we can get about this later, but he did come up a couple of times, A, as an excuse. Hey, Sonny was in charge of that. Right. And so that will play over into his case, and also, more notoriously, as an abuser. Thing. Yeah, and, the Svengali. Right, and so <clears throat> I remember listening to that thinking, boy, if Sonny Balwani doesn't come up with some sort of a deal and just avoid court and slink away, uh, well, the rest of his life could be really right. on Holmes. Now we yeah. not only have convictions on Holmes that he was absolutely intimately involved in, but we have a label, allegedly, as a physical and mental abuser. He really lost big in this trial without even showing up. Yeah, and then if he ends up going to prison too, he's like a three-time loser on this thing. <laughs> Very much so, yeah. Um, when's the sentencing? End of, end of the month? It's usually two months after, within two months. Two months. So it's going to be maybe a month and a half from now. From what I understand, the parole board has a say, the judge has a say, each side the prosecution yeah. and the defense will weigh in. The defense will say, this is a new mother. This is someone who is not a risk. She didn't kill anybody. She's no longer involved with any of right. this stuff. Um, the prosecution will say, we need to send a message, not only you know, a message of vindictive, vindication, I guess, for these investors, but um, perhaps a wider message to Silicon Valley and the business world. And that will be interesting. Do we know when she's due? I'm sorry? Do we know when she's due? The baby. The baby is seven months old. Or oh, I'm sorry. Six months old or something. Yeah, so she had the baby. That was one of the reasons for the delay of the trial. So she's the, yeah, that's right. She's the right. new mother. Well, right. that's it's right there. It's going to work to her advantage. Okay, so all the, in, in the press box, verdict comes in. Right. The old classic, everybody runs to their, well, hold, pulls up their phone, calls in the results. When did the betting start on the sentencing? You know, it's not so much betting, honestly. There are some, and I, I told you this in previous podcasts, there are some reporters in the courtroom, or there have been, who yeah. cover trials regularly. Right. And those of us who don't really look to them, and I follow a lot of them on Twitter just to sort of keep up with their play-by-play, -play, for lack of right. a better term. And, you know, they would say it's doubtful that she gets the full 20 years. She's not going to get 20 years. Right. I mean, again, nobody died. The people who lost were very wealthy investors, and, like we said, there is some sympathy on, on yeah, the other gonna side. Yeah, they're going to point at that nine-month-old at that point <laughs> right. and say, this child is not going to see his mother for exactly. 20, until he's 30 years old. Right. So yeah. it's it's likely that she gets less. Um, the one contribution I can make is I covered Martin Shkreli in his case. Yeah. You know, the so-called farmer bro. Um, also found guilty, given, I believe, a six-year sentence. So I don't see her getting more than that. Okay. Um, so somewhere between community service and six years, I guess. Yeah, you think, she, you think we're ever going to see her in an orange jumpsuit? I uh, don't think so. You don't think she'll go to prison at all? I think that the sense is the point has been made, don't do this, you know, and she's got a certain amount of personal sympathy. I can't see her spending any time. It, county lockup? I mean, if... Well, you know, I guess it would I mean, be that prison. You'd, you'd have to go to prison, but... Right. I don't know. And, and that is one of the... Again, I don't, I don't say well, there's any betting Martha, going on, but there's They put Martha Stewart in prison, so... Right. Yeah. Right. And again, Martha Stewart, by virtue of insider trading, you could say was fraudulent and hurt investors, but she right. didn't physically hurt people. Right. Um, Elizabeth Holmes, the this, things that surprised me, and this may limit her time um, in prison, yeah. is the not guilty counts dealt with the actual 
patience. Yeah, that's interesting. That surprised me. To me, the patience came off in the courtroom as very sympathetic. Yeah. Um, when the woman who was pregnant and took the Theranos test that told her she had lost her baby, right. mistakenly, she ended up delivering a healthy baby, um, when she broke down on the stand, again, whether or not you're a parent or a man or a woman or anybody, you were silent in that courtroom thinking about the effect of that and the, the weight and the gravity of that. I mean, the bottom line right now is those poor people lost. Right. But, you know, rich guys won. Right. And one of the uh, jurors who spoke to ABC News said the reason we, as a unanimous group, found her innocent on those things was there was a degree of separation between Holmes okay. and the patients, which means the defense's argument that Sonny Balwani and... Uh, uh, Adam Rosendorf, the lab director who was on the yeah. stand for days. And we were all wondering, why is the defense continuing to cross-examine Adam, Adam Rosendorf? Well, they succeeded in convincing the jury that the lab director and Sonny Balwani had something to do with the patients, and therefore they didn't link Elizabeth Holmes directly with them. And that was the process, which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, you, you need absolute direct causality. I mean, she would have had to have taken the, administered the tests I'm not sure exactly what it would have taken, but they did somehow convince the jury that there was a buffer. Now, okay. we did hear tapes, audio tapes, where Elizabeth Holmes was talking to investors and saying, oh yeah, we're on board with the Department of Defense, and they weren't. Yes. And talking about things that were quite obvious and laid out by the prosecution as false. And you heard it, and interestingly enough, one of the jury notes was, while they were in deliberations, to rehear that phone call that was recorded. Yeah, I heard about where, that. Yeah, Holmes spoke to the investors, and that was powerful. And when we were all called back in, and you know, Holmes and, and her people and the, the prosecution were all called back in to listen to that, it was a powerful moment because we thought, ah, the jury is re-listening to that pretty damaging phone call. Well, it was unpersuasive, it sounds like. Well, but some of those investors were the counts that she was found guilty on. Right. Whereas the patients, those counts she was found not guilty on. So do you think the patients feel vindicated in any way? I mean, so a bunch of billionaires, you know, they can actually sue her, I suppose. They can bring civil action against her. But what about these poor people? What's their compensation? How do they get anything out of this horrible experience? I don't think they do. Um, and again, it's not as if... Uh, I mean, I, I suppose there are some people who might later write books about this. Yeah. But you can't write a book about, hey, I was told by a test that I had prostate cancer when I didn't. Yeah, that's not a book. That's dodging a bullet. That's yes, a that's horrible day sure. turning into a big relief. Um, and yeah, they shouldn't have been told that. But I, I don't know if there's any way to compensate those people except for the fact that the person in charge is found guilty. Yeah. Maybe not on your charge. But on at other least ones. She was found guilty. And she very well may spend at least some time in prison. And I heard on uh, the John Carreyrou podcast that I've kept up with uh, Tyler Schultz, who was the whistleblower, the former employee, the young man. Right. Um, and, you know, he was saying, this is time to move on. We got our pound of whatever it is. Yeah. And justice was done. And those of us who were somewhat damaged can now move on. And maybe that's how they feel about this. Well, then let's talk about the sentencing. If she gets community service, 5,000 hours working in a soup kitchen, 
are those people going to feel like, well, that was, that's fair compensation? I doubt it. I don't yeah. think they will feel it's fair. I don't think um, that will send any sort of a message to Silicon Valley. Obviously, the job here isn't to send a message to yeah, well, that was future my, investors. Yeah, well, that's going to be one of my questions. How does this affect Silicon Valley? Right. If indeed there is some prison time, and I've since talked to uh, CEOs and I've talked to venture capitalists even in the last couple of days yeah. who say um, the money's still flowing out there. Yeah. So that's not going to change. But if lying to investors puts you in prison, um, that's dangerous. That's dangerous, of course. Right. Even if you're a new mother, even if you're a woman who everybody wanted to succeed, et cetera, et cetera, if lying to investors puts you in prison, maybe somebody will think twice about doing that. No, they won't. No, they <laughs> or maybe won't. not. I thought to myself, oh, what will be the chilling effect of this, of this result? And I th if I'm in a startup, I'll go, well, she was stupid, but... You know, our product isn't working either, but we're going to make it work. So we won't be lying. I mean, the whole point of entrepreneurs is you're essentially lying to yourself about your ability to do the impossible. So I don't think her her fate is going to be a, a message to anybody that's in a startup. I mean, it may not be, but look, um, the investors themselves, some of them, kind of turned on Elizabeth Holmes. Yeah. And you can sort of see that happening. Well, yeah. Well, I know some funds that just fell apart. I mean, there's some VCs out there lost a lot of money on this. And yes, the money's still flowing, but they have to compete for the next fund. True. I mean, look, it doesn't mean that the next Uber won't be as hopelessly oversubscribed. If there's anything that we learn from, let's say, Uber, yeah. is that ultimately that public offering and stock performance was disappointing. Yes. A lot of money lost, a lot of people lost money simply because Uber didn't perform right. on Wall Street as well as people thought it would. And if that doesn't give people pause, I mean, that's actual physical money that was spent and lost. I'm starting to see the first articles saying, well, yeah, Theranos lied and all that, but it might be possible to do that technology. Well, you know, there are. I actually interviewed the CEO of a blood testing technology company that was launched in 2015 in the wake of Theranos. And he said, yeah, we had trouble getting funding then, but then we proved that it worked on a much different level. Yes. We weren't saying, hey, we're in Afghanistan and we can do hundreds of tests. We were saying, here's what we can do. It's a little faster, a little less expensive, and here it is six, seven years later, they're still around yeah. because it works. Um, what she did, and the, the book went, you know, Bad Blood went into this, was every time there was even a moderate success, she said, no, I want six more things. Yeah. And that may have worked. Steve Jobs, but it didn't work for Elizabeth Holmes and it got yeah, her in a Steve lot of Jobs trouble. Steve Jobs didn't introduce the Macintosh in 1976. True. He put out a motherboard. You know, you got to walk before you run. Right. And Elizabeth Holmes did not walk. No. And a lot of these scientists that she worked with were saying, this doesn't exist yet. So let's do this instead. And she insisted. And that was what got her in trouble. As many people said, it was like Icarus flying too close to the sun. She just didn't go step by step. So does that make her a heroine ten years from now? She tried. She went for the. She went for everything. You know, no, I don't. Swung for the fences. So. I don't think it makes her a heroine. I think it makes her a cautionary tale. Yeah. And sometimes good things come from cautionary tales. Sure. Someone out there, you know, boy, Michael, did she have fans? They showed up at court sometimes at four in the morning to see her in person. I want to talk about the obvious <laughs> in a minute here. But but somebody, one of those young people, maybe. Yeah. Was saying, I don't like needles. I like the idea of this. 
and later in life when that you know young woman graduates from us with a stem degree maybe it happens and so maybe it happens in an well, ethical the other way truth technology is no new technology even when it fails goes away right it comes back eventually uh, I mean I saw technologies in 1980 that reappeared in 1995 you know I mean part of what Intel did was its single bus on its chips that was its make one of the biggest selling points they didn't have two or three like their competitors. 20 years later, they announced their breakthrough in having multiple buses on their chip. <laughs> Nothing goes, I'm waiting for Silicon on Sapphire to come back and bubble memory. I remember Silicon Sapphire. Yeah, Th these things, uh, they go in cycles. Yes. And nothing really goes away. I mean, do we need more dating apps? No, but we're still getting them. We're still getting them. And uh, et cetera, et cetera. And um, sometimes it's just, hey, we're going to tweak this. Sometimes it's, hey, there's more money to be made. But sometimes it's because a good idea just didn't work out. It's, it's time isn't right. Right. And the cautionary wait, you tale. You've got to wait for Moore's Law, usually. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. And if the technology catches up to Elizabeth Holmes' ideas, great. Great yeah. for the people who make oh. it work. And hopefully they don't defraud investors along Believe the way. Me the, yeah, exactly. Believe me, the first time I heard about her technology, it was like, yes, this is a big deal. Um, one thing that, one subtle little side effect that, that hit me yesterday thinking about all this was, there were some real famous people who invested in this technology who have died. Well, George Schultz. Mainly yes, died. exactly. And so most of, like Henry Kissinger, is not making major contributions anymore because he's in his 90s. The last entry on their Wikipedia will be suckered by Elizabeth Holmes. That's, that's their final legacy after a, you know, a career of you know, distinguished service. You end up with that as your footnote. Yeah, and I think in the case of Kissinger, it was an investment. For James Mattis, it was an investment. For Betsy DeVos, it was an investment. Yeah. I don't think it's a big, big entry on their life docket. Sadly for George Schultz, who had the drama, the family drama with his grandson yeah. and his children and uh, the staunch support of Elizabeth Holmes, you know, that looked just really bad because he turned his back on his family briefly and all that, that's really sad. And Very those sad. entries in the book and the podcast are hard to listen to, especially for someone who had a good relationship with his grandparents. Yeah. Um, I just can't imagine that. Um, and, you know, for some of us who may someday be grandparents, I can't imagine that scenario. Well, me neither. And having known George Schultz, yeah. he, he was not that kind of a guy. No, and he was... Um, you know, you hate to say suckered, but he was hoodwinked and somehow believed it until... Uh, right to the end. Yeah, and... Um, you know, the ter I mean, when George Washington left office, uh, among the founding fathers, there was real concern that he would live out the rest of his life without making any big mistakes, without doing anything foolish, because you don't want the, you don't want the father of the country to, you know, get into a scandal in his old age because he's in his dotage and he's not thinking. And I fear that's what happened to George Schultz on this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's too bad. And if anything, at least, Tyler Schultz says they made peace at the end. Good. And, you know, he understood who was right and who was wrong at the end. Um, and that's the most important thing, not so much the legacy, but the family. And it sounds like the family was okay at the end, according to him. So let's, let's talk about the press experience. <laughs> you had three months of doing this. First of all, 
you had to be getting calls every few days from your managing editor saying, when's this thing going to end? We got stories for you to get out there and cover. I saw you cover a booster shot story, I think, on a weekend, on, a hol on, on Christmas weekend, I think. They let you out of the box. And you actually had to got to do real field reporting again. Well, you know, on Christmas the courthouse closed, but <laughs> yeah. news departments don't close, and so I was working that weekend. Um, but right. Did uh, you remember how to do that? Yes. Carry uh, the microphone around and Well, talk here's the to thing. People? So I turned stories every day from the Holmes trial, yeah. even on those days of there were seven days of deliberations, six days where nothing happened. Yeah. No verdict. And it was hard to, on day four or five, <laughs> try to come up with an angle of, you know, is this long? Is What does this mean for the, you know, defense? Um, well, I saw you, I think it was the day of the verdict. Maybe it was the day before. And it, I wasn't up, but I saw the YouTube of it. <laughs> uh, it was like six o'clock in the morning and you're standing in front of the courthouse, cold, got a <laughs> scarf around your neck, you look about 15 years older. This look exhausted. And it's you, and I saw a custodian go by behind you. And yeah. You, and you were waiting to get your seat, right? Well, yes, exactly. I'll tell you. So we had to get there early to get our seats. And eventually people catch on yeah. um, that you're there early. And so I did a lot of morning radio, and a lot of even our morning show producers were like, hey, <laughs> you know, why not? And fine. Um, on the day of the verdict... It just so happened because we didn't know there would be a verdict, but I was on our morning show. I was on our midday show live. Yeah. I was on our five, six, and seven live, and I taped something for the 11. So it was kind of running the table, but it was the Holmes verdict day. I yeah. get it. Yeah. Um, and a lot of this, you know, you say, why did the managers allow this to continue? A lot of this was driven and, um, you know, there's something to be learned in our business. A lot of this was driven by the online response. Ah, interesting. I have no idea if the, the ratings, right, I don't know if the ratings were up for TV because of Holmes. I just don't know. I'm not privy to that. That's several pay grades above me. Right. But I can tell you firsthand about the online response, and it was gigantic. Yeah. Um, the amount of people of all ages reaching out to find out information on Twitter largely was just bananas. And, um, you know, I've got a, a high schooler who the, the tweets would get passed around yeah because people are so interested in this woman they'd get back to my daughter who sees it and is like oh geez that's my dad yeah <laughs> and that happened a Dan's number of a times star for once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh and this is what they were talking about and you certainly couldn't see yeah because it was a federal trial no cameras so people were checking it out online well, and that's how young that people this podcast on linkedin yeah everybody what was interesting was it crossed over from techies to the general public, right? To a lot of people like housewives who didn't normally care about any of this stuff, were obsessed with this, right? And that's why I wonder. You know, people say, "What about the Sunny Balwani trial?" I mean, there'll be some interest, but I yeah, just can't much. imagine anything yeah. near what Elizabeth Holmes got because she was so polarizing. And it really is, you know, if people are feeling sorry for her, you know. Yeah, there was some media machine that helped create this, but she was right there. Yes. Um, you know, she hired the ad agency. She spent money on those photos. Uh, it was very important to get that image, and the image helped build the company. How Unfortunately, she... there were fraudulence. No, know, obviously people. she had a mask on, but could you tell how she reacted? Yeah, um, she was, as the verdict was read, I was, I was watching her, and she was just stone-faced looking straight forward. Now, at several times, she did look over to the jury, but as it got to be guilty on this count, and then guilty on that count. Yeah. 
She looked ahead the whole time. At one point, she looked down. Yeah. Just she was lo- alone, absolutely right. alone, and and stone faced silent. There was no cheering, no groaning, none of those sounds you sometimes hear. It was right. dead silence. And when all eleven were read, you know, they pulled the jury, and she was able to stand up, turn around, and hug her family, her father, who hadn't been in the new in the courtroom much. Yeah, uh, you know, he was masked too, but he gave her a, a kiss on the head through the mask, um, and. You know, she hugged them and was let out. And uh, I had noticed the time before when the jury was let in to ask the question and say, we're deadlocked on three things, which is probably good news for the yeah. defense, right? Oh, sure. She looked at them. They didn't look back. Yeah, they're not looking back. And I don't, there were a few times when that happened, and I don't have enough courtroom experience to know what that means. No, I've always heard that. If the jurors look at the defendant, it's going to be innocent. And <laughs> if the jury won't look in the, in the defendant's eyes... They're gonna they're gonna send that person down. Maybe so, and if that was the case, we could have predicted this a little earlier. Okay. Because uh, they really didn't make much eye contact with her, despite her trying to uh, to look at them. And um, now, did the media circus get even bigger outside? Oh Is yeah, it... as as yeah. Each time, and this was again driven by Twitter. If we would tweet out, "There's a verdict coming in 14 minutes or Everybody 10 minutes." Up. Yeah. By the time, so what I did was, you know, you tweet out the final things. And then I ran downstairs. We were going to go live, and I had to get her on my phone and all those things. God, like real reporting, like exactly. the old days. It was it was a very old school. If you're, yeah. So went you outside. Said the only thing you didn't do was run to the bank. <laughs> exactly. I was thinking about that. Um, and uh, when you when I arrived for court that morning, you're right. The janitor was there. There were a few of us reporters, some cameras. By the time the verdict was read, and I went outside, I ran into like, you know, dozens of cameras. Okay. I mean, the place was packed. And uh, and that's how it was for the rest of the night. We all waited. They closed the courthouse. They closed those gates in downtown San Jose. She had to funnel through a very small door into the maelstrom of, of cameras. Right. Um, and again, the, the, the trial is over. The verdict is done. It's nighttime. I hold up my cell phone, and I'm one of, you know, easily 120 people there, and I've got my two you know, generation old cell phone yeah. while I'm holding a mic. So the shot is not good of Holmes walking right by me. Yeah. And, you know, within a couple hours, 40,000 people had looked at that kind of crappy video. The the appetite for this was huge. Were, 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 the, were the Holmesians or whatever you call them out there, the, were the performance artists, were the, I didn't were see the gals them. from the sorority there? Uh, actually, yeah, there were some sorority people there. There was, you know, some of her friends yeah. who were into the courtroom. Uh, some of them had apparently task rabbits to wait in line. So we would all be in line <laughs> looking, like you say, as we aged 15 years. And then someone would show up and say, oh, a couple hours, here's a hundred bucks. And that person would go away. And we were like, ah, <laughs> now that's not in most of our budgets yeah. as reporters, but uh, there's a genius to that, I guess. Um, but anyway, so yeah, that was... So the next morning, you, how'd you feel? Did you feel like a man newly liberated when he woke up in the morning and you, and you thought, <laughs> I don't have to go to the courthouse today? It was. It was a good feeling. I mean, I... mean, I, uh... you began this in late summer. It was hot. August 31st was the first day. Yeah, it was a hot summer day. Of 2021. It ended in 2022. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you ended on a rainy, cold winter day. I must say, when I woke up the next morning, the first thing I did, which is what I've done every morning since, I, I've been in a courtroom for four months. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're masked, but come on. It's a packed courtroom. I yeah. was fearful. I wake up every morning and 
check my throat for whatever symptoms. Right. You know, I'm vaxxed, I'm boosted, I'm trying to be careful, I'm double masked in the courtroom, but I'm scared. And uh, so that's what I did that next morning was, ah, I don't feel anything, <laughs> you know, I don't feel a tickle in my throat or anything good. Um, and then, yeah, I looked at the clock and it was already like 7, 7.30 and I thought, aha, I haven't done that in a while. Nice. Go um, to the gym, walk around the neighborhood, <laughs> reintroduce yourself to all your neighbors. Well, you know, the neighbors, and, and again, even in, in the neighborhood, people are still keeping their distance, so they would shout questions about looking yeah. at home from across the street. But So just like being in court. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so um, everybody was interested. There are a couple lawyer friends I have, and I texted them, hey, we got a verdict. And they're like, well, I know. We're all online checking, you know. So everybody was, was up to the minute, and the big success, I think, was... Um, was on social media and I hope it was successful for the station I again I don't know we're all very remote right you know we're not meeting in person obviously for for plenty of reasons so um I don't know but it it seemed to be what people were checking with minute by minute and uh and it was interesting to see people from all over the country that were sent out by the Washington Post or the New York Times or the networks who yeah. were hanging out in downtown San Jose mm -hmm to um drinking at oj's and yeah you know asking the about the local coffee shops because they were sick of starbucks it was <laughs> it was nice yeah it was uh it was good to get to know those people and then the caravan packs up and goes absolutely and you know that caravan was an expensive caravan for those first six days of deliberation with nothing yeah. to do <laughs> you know i would get calls from like the network saying hey you want to just step in and talk for 10 minutes on msnbc we have nothing better to do and you're like yeah i guess that's a yeah, compliment why not? sure why not yeah for but... your demo reel <laughs> okay so uh let's go through some other things real quick because i think it's important omicron it has hit since literally has hit hard since the last time we met right for this um but it's not causing a lot of deaths causing a lot of cases it seems to be very very infectious but less lethal is there some point where we get to a a, a very a variant of this that we decide okay now it's the common cold or it's the flu everybody go back to work i mean it seems like we're locking down harder against something that we can't stop even the shots aren't working well i mean honestly this is not the podcast for that. I mean, as much as I just could pretend over the last 30 minutes that I knew about the justice system, yeah. I'm not a doctor. I do know that the tech companies and, and newsrooms are shutting down again um, or being more careful because right. the case number is up. And I guess that makes sense. But you're right. It's not. Everybody who's had it has just said, yeah, I want that bad. But it's going to hurt business because even if you're not um, hit as hard, you're still out for five to ten days, depending on the policy. That's true. And so the fewer people that get it, the better it is. So if you can not get it, I don't know. You know what I mean? We're just kind of in a quandary right now. Right. I mean, I'm old enough to remember chickenpox parties and measles parties for kids. <laughs> just get the kids the, you know, the immunity. I guess if we knew that immunity meant you wouldn't get it again, but aren't people getting this? They're getting it twice. Yeah, so I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. All right, Chip, I want to go through these real quick. Chip shortage. Uh, Samsung took advantage of the chip shortage, 52% jump in profits during the first three months of 2021. If you got chips, you're going to get rich right now. Yeah, Samsung um, was still a big presence even at the largely remote CES. Uh, they're just a big electronics giant that has chips. Remember, Apple flirted with the idea of we may not be able to make enough iPhones, 
But boy, every quarter they still just kill it. Tesla the same way. These companies dependent on chips, but somehow they're getting enough. They're getting enough. So somehow. Tesla has record deliveries. Apple still is putting phones in the hands of people who want them. So we're not that bad, despite the warnings of some of these automakers and tech right. companies. Isn't this the time of year you'd normally be at CES? Yeah, it, it just wrapped. It, it actually yeah. wrapped a day early because of Omicron concerns. And um, <laughs> a lot of the big boys didn't go. Oh, right. And, and a lot of reporters didn't go. Look, I mean, as much as I was like, hey, we got to stick with this trial, I was um, I was much quieter about CES. I'm going to Vegas with yeah. 100,000 people. Yeah, and the crowds were smaller. You know, I talked to people who were there. The, the big companies all pulled out. I can't imagine a CES without the Intel booth or the Microsoft booth or all those guys. Um, and it just... It's, it's, there's a time to be cautious and a time to play the long game. Yeah. And I know Vegas doesn't do that very well and the tech industry doesn't do <laughs> no. that very well. But I get it. It's, it's, it was just too risky, I think. Uh, Intel issued... A, I've been cheering for Intel to, bring it, to get back. And they seem to be making bold moves and all that. Then they send that note to the Chinese government apologizing for being part of the boycott over the Uyghurs. And it's like, why would you do that? Why would you do something that craven and embarrassing? I don't know. You know, I, I keep thinking of Jerry Yang's apology, not to the government, but to yeah. the individuals when he was running Yahoo. Um, there are different ways to handle this. You know, you see it in the other entertainment industry and even in, like, the NBA. Yeah. Some people are sticking to it, and some people are saying but we Intel know where But Intel didn't have to do it. This was a government policy. Right. They could have said, hey, there's nothing we can do. Washington wants to do this. I mean, that would still be craven, but not as craven as this. This is embarrassing. Right, and there were still companies who, you know, uh, did the right thing when it came to, uh, you know, the, the politics. I, I don't understand. I mean, uh, the, the scope of what they deal with, I realize, is global. You know, you look at the chip companies like Applied Materials and probably Intel, uh, the business they do in America isn't anywhere near the majority of business no, that they do, anymore. let's say, in Asia. Right, so it's a different strategy, I guess, Yes. that isn't our strategy because we're Americans. And I don't mean to say that Intel is an American, but imagine if you lived in... No, somewhere. they have divided loyalties. Exactly, that's a good way of putting it. The question is, at what point do they stop kowtowing to a, to, to a dictatorship? I mean, once again, we're back to, would you sell, would you sell a computer to Hitler? Right, uh, I mean, if you're IBM back in the day, apparently, yeah. absolutely. Apparently, yeah. They didn't mind and they knew what they were mm -hmm. doing. Uh, and I would like to think that today everybody else would say no, but, but apparently know. not. Right. Okay. One last thing. I heard they got this from Grove, uh, in a nod to the 1990s and the fun days of Silicon Valley. This is his quote: uh, "When they made things important and not silly, in the social networks. Bye bye to Blueberry. Blueberry's now gone. You mean BlackBerry? I put I type Blueberry. That's how long it's been. <laughs> oh my God." I actually had a blueberry smoothie yesterday. Blackberry. <laughs> Blackberry. I even I know the I knew the people that invented it. Yeah, Blackberry. Yeah. Good lord. It's funny. I never actually had a Blackberry, but I remember seeing them and thinking. Oh, they were ubiquitous. Whoa! You can get your email. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. You know, they were. They predated Palm. Think about this. They predated the Nokia phones oh, in yeah. popularity. Obviously, the iPhones. They were not only ahead of time in cell phones, but they were ahead of time in all the features that were on a cell phone. Well, and you, you know, you didn't see a bond trader or a stockbroker without one for a long, long time. But the reason Bob sent me this note, he did the first video news release introducing 
the BlackBerry. Oh, interesting. Okay. That long ago. That must have been a while ago. You know, famously, remember, and this is the modern era, obviously even much more modern, when Barack Obama got into office, he still had the BlackBerry. Yes. And wanted to keep it, and they said, no, sir, you know, you're the president now. You can't send emails from a non-secure uh, phone. But he said, I'm just addicted to Well, in the age of the iPhone, all the people with, with bad thumb tendons now... <laughs> That probably, traces back to the Probably miss having that little push-button keyboard. And you remember what they called it? The Crackberry. The Crack... Oh, absolutely. People couldn't, couldn't do it. Yeah. And it, it, it seems so mild. It's like... It's not It's not the Crackberry. It's like weed. The modern <laughs> smartphone is crack. Right. Uh, okay. And... Uh, wow. Blueberry. Uh, that's not a good sign. Uh, that's it. <laughs> that's it for now, folks. You can find us on the Silicon Valley Business Journal homepage as well as on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.